world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Finishing up my fill-in dates for Dave Biddle. He will be back with Bells On next week. But what would a week of Bucknuts be without an interview with the people's champ, Matt Baxendell? Bax, how goes it? Oh, man, it's been a good week for me, Dan. I think we're really excited to see some of the actual logistics of the football season coming together. But uh, I imagine you're ready to get back from having to host five days in the morning down to a two or three a week instead. I'm about as ready as the listeners. Bax is going to have to carry us today. But what's good is there's news to discuss. Bax, you are up to speed on tickets and how that process works. Ohio State has announced 20,000 fans, the most recent step for Ohio State. The SEC has followed suit when Ohio State did a little while ago, going to conference-only games. Your impression of the schedules, kind of what it's going to mean for Ohio State, what the ACC has done, how the SEC is handling it, the floor is yours. Yeah, so let's start with the, the way Ohio State's tickets are first here, since this is buck nuts. Uh, so they talked about having uh, 20,000 fans per game is the maximum capacity they're going to allow this season. And that's funny because Ohio State took 46,000 season ticket payments prior to all this happening. So needless to say, those people aren't going to be able to do this. Um, And what they're doing is they're tiering the number of tickets that people are getting for games. You're only going to get to go to one or two or three games through the university. So the people who have the most priority, like the highest donors, are going to get eight tickets for game. um, And they're going to get two or three games instead of one or two. And instead of those eight tickets, some of the people are going to only get two tickets a game or four tickets a game. But season ticket holders are allowed to, quote, release their tickets without losing their spot for upcoming seasons after this, just because of everything going on. So it looks like you're going to see a very widespread distribution of tickets uh, with the way that the, these are going to end up coming. You're going to have some students, maybe. You're going to have some of the general public who's donated and had season tickets, maybe you're probably never going to see tickets available to us to click on Ticketmaster and buy, that's for sure, because there's simply not going to be any available. And I think it's going to be a lot of the donors, the faculty, the season ticket holders, and the students. And all those people are probably only going to get maybe one or two games. I mean, think about it. If you play a 10-game conference schedule, which is where the Big Ten is headed, you're looking at five home games. So that means students are going to get to go to one, maybe two as part of their package. So, you know, unless you're one of the big – uber money donors, I think you're probably looking at if you choose to go to being able to only go to one or two OSU games a year. Now, what's going to be interesting, though, is, is that I think that normally you would think, well, you know, if you have a fifth of capacity, then tickets would be there would be five times the demand. I, I don't know if I necessarily see that in the way that the ticket resale market is just because there's so much uncertainty surrounding tickets. If you talk about a year, you're worried about fake tickets. This is the year because even if I wanted to go on, you know, a website right now and buy tickets um, on the resale market, the reality is I don't know where they're sitting everybody. 
I don't know who has legit tickets at this point because nobody knows where their seats are. And by the way, are they going to put 20,000 people in the lower bowl socially distanced, which you have more than enough room? Are they going to spread them over the entire stadium? It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes because OSU still hasn't established the exact nuts and bolts of it. Uh, I, I, I mean, Dan, can you imagine going to a game where you're one of 16 people in one section in the upper deck? I mean, that seems pretty crazy to me, but I could see it happening this year. Yeah, I'm giggling. <laughs> we'll send Mr. B and say, all right, you're assigned to uh, section 1C, rows 31 through 33, all by yourself. I can see the look on his face right now. He'll call in his helicopter to come pick him up from the upper deck. <laughs> He'd actually probably like it, but that's a, that's a different story. Uh, that's true. Mr. B's thoughts on the empty stadium. But, uh, but as for the conference schedule, this is going to be really interesting because the talk is, is that the Big Ten, when they release their 10-game schedule – is going to have the division games front-loaded because those are the tiebreaker ones, right? So if you're playing uh, 10 conference games, you're going to end up having uh, in each division, you have six games, right? So if those are the first games and they're front-loaded, you're going to have Ohio State play our rivals in like September in all likelihood. Can you imagine that kicking off the season with Ohio State versus Michigan? I mean, it'd probably be good for them to get the beating out of the way. And it probably almost locks the outcome in stone because let's face it, if they're breaking in a new quarterback and a bunch of new starters against Justin Fields and company, it's going to be uglier than it would be later in the year when supposedly their guys are going to get their feet under them. But this may be the first time, well, pretty much since the beginning of college football that Ohio State and Michigan are going to play early in the season. And it's going to be real interesting to see how Ohio State would react the week after a Michigan win and having to play like Indiana or someone. Uh, so I think this is going to shape up to be a very odd season. But, I mean, here's the other kicker, Dan. We don't know if they're going to have just the top two teams in the conference end up being the two teams who play for the championship at the end of the day or if they're going to do it divisionally. I think the Big Ten is leading divisionally, but if they weren't, imagine playing Michigan on September 5th and then they somehow have a good year and we have to play them twice in one season. That would be delicious. Who do you want to be the 10th game? Well, I want somebody worthwhile from the other side of things. Uh, so if you look who Ohio State doesn't have on their schedule, we went through this a little while back, and it was like Minnesota was one of them. Purdue was one of them. You can make a lot of arguments to me that any of them are, are worth their time. I think Northwestern was another one. I'd really like to play Minnesota just because Minnesota's probably the best team in the league that's not on OSU's schedule. I think that would be a lot of fun. But if I'm sitting here thinking, ah, I just want them to go undefeated, then I want Northwestern. <laughs> so um, my vote's still for Minnesota. I think that would be the most fun game because they're the best team left. And if you're losing the Oregon game, let's have another game that challenges the team. And this is all on the assumption we're going to be able to get the season to go the, throughout the fall uh, without too much interruption. And another thing to factor in, there's talk about the Big Ten starting September 5th, but building in three or four off weeks so if there are outbreaks of COVID, then they can just delay the game to a designated off week. And that may allow us to get the schedule played out uh, with minimal interruption. So uh, my vote would probably be Minnesota. I'd love to see the Buckeyes and Gophers before 2021 when they're set off to kick the season off. What do you make of what the ACC and the SEC has done? The SEC held out the longest and they announced that they're going to a conference only gig. What's your vibes on that stuff? Well, I think it's hilarious what happened. First of all, so the ACC and the SEC have some big-time rivals uh, between the two conferences. You know, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina, 
Georgia, Georgia Tech. You know, there's a lot of stuff down south with those two conferences overlapping. And so what the ACC did was they announced first that they were on the conference only and that they talked Notre Dame into competing for a conference championship, which is a whole story on its own. But what the ACC did, which was hilarious, which was they said that they were allowing for up to one non-conference game. And they said, if the situation allows for them to play it. So that was essentially them saying, sure, we'd love Georgia Tech to play Georgia and Clemson to play South Carolina, uh, but we're not going to be the ones to cancel it. So they put the onus on the SEC to be the bad guys when they're the last ones to go to conference only, and they have to be the ones to have to cancel some of these big in-state rivalry games. You know, we're not getting Florida-Florida State for like the first time in, I think, like 40 years. And so it's hilarious that the ACC maneuvered this as well as they did, where now Notre Dame's competing for a conference championship with, with, with the ACC. And the SEC's the bad guy for canceling some of the biggest games down south. So I, I think that's, first of all, hilarious. But I do think it's going to be fascinating to watch this play out this year with Notre Dame in a conference. I don't see this as more than a uh, relationship of convenience. You know, this is the guy who's in town for a month and doesn't want to rent an apartment, so he picks up a girlfriend for a month. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. And I do think it'd be really funny if Notre Dame somehow won the ACC this year. Like, if they're supposed to play Clemson already. It'd be hilarious if they ended up putting the top two teams in the ACC just based on standings for their championship game. And somehow Notre Dame won the league and then was like, peace, see ya. <laughs> like, like, that would be delicious. And that's, the, that's what the ACC is setting themselves up for here is potentially, and I doubt it because I think Clemson would trounce Notre Dame. But uh, if Notre Dame somehow joins the conference for one year and wins the league, I, I would laugh like a schoolgirl because that would be the funniest thing ever. Um, but the other thing you touched on too, Dan, is that whether or not we get a playoff, uh, some of this is going to matter. Can you imagine if Ohio State's sitting at 10-0, and 0, right, or, or maybe even 11-0 and 0 with a, a conference championship game, and Clemson is sitting there also undefeated and Notre Dame ruins it for them? Uh, that would make life really funny. Dabo is the guy now that I enjoy seeing take it on the chin. It hasn't been a great offseason for him. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk about recruiting. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Bax, I had Steve Wolfong on the show yesterday. We did not talk about Dason McCullough. Later on in the day, Steve Wolfong acquired some quality information and flipped a crystal ball for Dason McCullough to the Buckeyes. The guy has a very impressive offer list. He's got the holy trinity of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. If those three programs offer you, you are a certified stud. Six-foot-five athlete from Kansas. What are your thoughts on Wolfong's crystal ball? Well, not only is he, is he six foot five, he's already 220, right? And how many guys from Kansas does Ohio State ever go after? I just, I just want to put this in the back of your minds. Like, when the heck did Ohio State ever go to Idaho? Well, they went to get Tommy Togiai. There's a reason they went to a random place that isn't really well known for high school football because there's a kid who is way above what you normally would expect to see from there. 
So McCullough is a fascinating guy. Uh, right now in the early 2022 top 247, he's a top 70 player. And honestly, I'm not sure where he's going to play. You'd have to think that he could project to a defensive end, but he's fast enough and athletic enough. He could project to one of those battleship six foot five linebackers. I mean, this is a big time athlete. And I am fascinated to see what he actually ends up doing in college, but I don't know if we're going to know where he's going to play until he gets on campus because he could just play pretty much wherever. I mean, this guy could be like an Isaiah Simmons. Remember him from Clemson? The guy who, by the way, not coincidentally also was from Kansas. Uh, another random kid that was pulled by a big time of the quote, Holy Trinity that you mentioned from the state of Kansas. Isaiah Simmons was six foot four or something, six foot five and could run like a deer. And he's going to be a first-round pick and played literally every position on defense for Clemson last year. McCullough kid has similar physical ability. I, I think it's going to be really interesting, though, because if he's 220 and six foot five, he's probably going to be in two years, 240, maybe 250. And the question is, how big do they decide they want him to get? So if I had to guess, he's going to project a defensive end. But you always give these kids that have those freakish athletic skills the opportunity to essentially take on that freak role like you saw with Isaiah Simmons. So – yeah, this is a kid who I don't think he's committing to OSU tomorrow, but the fact that Wilt Fong feels good enough, even with Alabama and Clemson offers, to put a crystal ball on him to Ohio State, that's a nice sign because this is a big-time kid for next year. And honestly, I know we're also focused on 2021 right now, the top class in 2021, maybe having a chance to have a historically good finish, which is still on the board. You just got to land a couple of the top kids, and you're looking at maybe the highest-rated class of all time. 2022 is quietly shaping up very well for Ohio State. And this is another one of those things where we talk about when OSU is recruiting well, they're landing, you know, a dozen kids in the top 150. Well, here's another one of those top 150 kids that maybe not a lot of people had in mind until more recently. If he ends up as a Buckeye out of Kansas, um, he's from the Kansas City area, then this is another just fantastic get. And it tells you really how national Ohio State's recruiting reach continues to be under Ryan Day. I think we can officially put any recruiting fears that came whenever uh, Coach Day took over from Urban officially to bed. If you're seeing kids like this continue to come to Ohio State and the way that the 2021 class is going. As we were doing this, I looked up Ohio State all-time football recruits from the state of Kansas, and the only name that pops up is Duran Carter. Now, Duran Carter is not from <laughs> Kansas, but he did attend Coffeyville Junior College for a little bit, so yes – in terms of high schoolers, this is virgin territory. For we the have had one other one too, Dan. If Josh Moore, that was the name I was going to bring up. It was like 2012 or 13, but then he ended up not actually coming. And I remember he committed at Friday Night Lights in like 2013 or 2012 or something like that was when that happened. I remember being there that night covering it for Bucknuts. And it was a big deal. Oh, Josh Moore committed at the 50-yard line. But yeah, then he never came. So we're still, we're still pretty much zero for Kansas ever. Just kind of like we were with zero for Idaho before Togiai. So... If you're go actually going into a state like this for the first time, like if Ohio State has a kid they offer from Alaska, I want to see that film. And then I want to make sure they didn't mean to offer him in hockey. The Bucket will return this weekend. If you have not given this podcast a five-star review on iTunes, please go do so. We appreciate backstopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.